Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A here with Pastor Nick today. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom, shalom. Welcome. Oh, man. Oh, man. We've had some great podcasts uh, that we've had just over the past couple weeks. We had Eve Harrow here. If you did not listen to the interview with Eve Harrow, make sure you go back and listen to it. She was a fascinating woman uh, to interview, and uh, she was here and, and actually spoke. And so we have some uh, some YouTube uh, teachings from the live event that we did here at, at Bait Tehillah that you can go and watch uh, her comments and whatnot. Um, and so we really enjoyed having her here. Uh, it was just such a great pleasure. And so I encourage you guys, listen to the interview, uh, and then again, also listen to or watch the the videos of her teachings and whatnot. Uh, and also, guess what? This week, oh my goodness, listen, we're in the month of Adar. It's actually Adar 2. There's a Adar Aleph and Adar Bet, and so this is Adar 2. And in Adar 2, we get... The Feast of Purim. Oh, man. So here's what's cool about Purim. It's relevant for today. And if you want to hear more about it, we did a, a, a Purim podcast. It's episode 25. Go back and listen to it because we kind of break down how Purim is relevant for today, how Christians should celebrate Purim and join with the Jewish people in the celebration of Purim. We may have our own uh, fancy way of doing it, uh, as we do with everything, but uh, I think that it's relevant for today. I think everybody should go and pay attention to it. So that's episode 25. It is the Feast of Purim uh, podcast, and I want you guys to go listen to it because it is really, really good. And so today, the business at hand is the Torah portion, which is Tzav, which means command. It is uh, found in the book of Leviticus, Pastor Nick's favorite book. Absolutely, <laughs> and it is it should uh, be everybody's favorite book. Uh, Absolutely, you know I agree. Only for the mature. I agree. Uh, a certain percentage of that. I, I'm not sure how much it is. Um, the jury's still out. That's but it. It's in Leviticus, starting in chapter six and verse eight, and ending in chapter eight and verse thirty-six. And it's called Tezav Command. That's right. Tezav Command. Uh, just a few little notes here on the book of Leviticus. Uh, it is the meat of the Torah. To the left, you have Genesis and Exodus, and to the right, you have, of course, what? Numbers and Deuteronomy. And there's a lot of meat in Leviticus. There, there literally is <laughs> a, lot. a lot of meat. So for those of you that are carnivores or O-blood types, you're going to enjoy this portion. Uh, once again, this theme of the book of Leviticus is, You Shall Be Holy. Uh, Leviticus chapter 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God, and in case you haven't noticed, uh, based upon this particular Torah portion, we are actually studying the way to God. Also, this book starts with consecration and ends with consecration. So without uh, further hesitation, we're going to go into uh, the Law of the Offerings, Leviticus chapter 6, and Ryan's going to read uh, chapter 6, verses 8 through 13 once again, the law of the offerings. We're going to continue on with the five sacrifices. All right. So uh, right here, we're going to start in uh, chapter 6 and verse 8, and we're going to finish at verse 13. And it says here, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. 
It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall be put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments, and put on the garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Wow, this is incredible. You know, right out of the gate, let's just give Yeshua some props here. Let's give Yeshua... Uh, Wait, so you're saying the Torah points to Yeshua? Absolutely, huh. especially in regard to the, of course, the burnt offering. Uh, the priest would take the ashes of the burnt offering and put them beside the altar. Uh, also, the priest was required to change his garments before removing the ashes out of the camp to a clean place. Uh, so just remember that uh, as far as the burnt offering goes, it's totally consumed. That's why you would not take out the kidneys or any kind of organs. And of course, uh, they would, of course, uh, they could save the hide uh, of the bull uh, once outside the camp. But, but this is something just to think about. Uh, I want to read once again, uh, just to give Yeshua honor. Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 through 44. Uh, how is he in a burnt offering? Check this out. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and this is what Yeshua does. Uh, this is a picture of a burnt offering found in the New Testament with Yeshua being our example. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Okay, so once again, you know, uh, he's going to go the distance. I want to encourage all of you, when you gave your life to the Lord, go the distance. And this is the example. Now, if we go to Romans, what about the believers? Is there a burnt offering found in the New Testament? What can we say in regards to that? I'm going to go to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. These and verses says, have been coming up a lot. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, that's an oxymoron. Sacrifice is usually killed so or die. So a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And as far as the restoration and regathering of the whole house of Israel, I want to put that into play here. That's relevant for today as well. We want the, the Lord's perfect will in the earth. We want to play our part. Uh, so there you go. There you have the burnt offering and the law of the offerings. Uh, there's a great question here. Was the fire of the altar to burn continually? We would say yes. And uh, there's a great question we had in our discussion groups. Uh, when did you come to the altar and become born again 
Ryan, why don't you just share your story real quickly here. When did you come to the altar and become born again? What time of day? Do you remember what day was it? What month was it? Do you know any time frame? Or? Oh, yeah. So uh, this is an interesting... In my group last night, we had all different times of day, which is really the point, right? That you can Thank come God. to the altar at any time, right? Um, but I was the only one that was in the middle of the night. And um, here's the thing. So I, I went to a Methodist church as a kid. I got sprinkled and baptized uh, at seven years old with my family. I'm not saying that at that point I didn't understand what was going on and that I wasn't saved. I'm just saying that by the time I was around 19, I really made a firm adult decision for myself, and I had taken some kids to youth camp, um, and in the middle of the night, I was like, you know, I don't know if I've ever done this whole pray the prayer thing, and I did it. In the middle of the night, I was studying the Bible, I was just eating it up, these kids had really inspired me and kind of got my juices Challenged flowing. You, you know, Challenged faith, me. Yeah, well, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just on fire for God, and I just I was like, you know what, just in case, I'm not going to leave anything to chance. And I, and I just I said, you know, God, Jesus, I want to choose you. I'm a sinner. You know, uh, you died on the cross for me. I believe that God rose, uh, raised you from the dead. And I, I just said the prayer, you know. And so mine was in like probably 2 o'clock in the morning in the summer. And how old were you? Uh, like 19, 20, something like that. Wow. Probably that, 20. That, that's a good age, you know. Yeah. Uh, what an incredible story. And I was a backslidden Catholic, uh, of course, believed in God and everything, but Time I was 15 to 25 were my wasted years. So in March of 92, uh, I became born again. And uh, what an incredible experience it was for me that evening. Just so many things happened in one night. It's like the floodgates opened up, you know. Then this happened and that happened. It's like God was just waiting to pour all this good stuff out on me after, you know, after those wasted years of, of, of regret and, and everything else and bad mistakes. Time I was 15 to 25, uh, turned a corner, you know. And uh, it was it was an accelerated journey for me personally. Uh Attended First Baptist Church of Pleasant Grove, uh, and of course was baptized in, in the Baptist Church, and uh, or immersed, and then of course uh, I, I moved on to Family Worship Center, which is a Word of Faith church, and Pastor Reggie Scarborough was my pastor. Uh, it's a great church even today in the community, making great strides, making great uh, a difference in the community. So it was Word of Faith. I even have Word of Faith Bible, which is amazing. Got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And from there, I was able to go to Valrico New Life, which is, of course, a Bapticostal church where this Baptist uh, pastor or, or preacher got filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, he, he wanted the gift of tongues and the Holy Spirit to really, really move and to be baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. You guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I would consider myself a uh, Bapticostal at that point. But uh, my journey actually led me to the Dreyer family, and, and of course, the... Uh, in the spring of, of, of 95, I actually got my, my Hebrew roots and celebrated my first Passover and feast days and um, actually found out that I was Ephraim, the, the, one of the nations coming, com, coming forth uh, unto the Lord uh, that was not Jewish and, of course, uh, getting my Hebrew roots. So uh, very life-changing. And, of course, uh, this, this church actually started its first Torah cycle, thanks to Rabbi Messer and Simchat Torah Beit Midrash. In the fall of 1999, we started our first tour portion. So there's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And it's, it's life-changing. And it truly is. It's not about the destination. It is about the journey. So as we uh, conclude with, of course, the burnt offering, uh, which, of course, consists of a, a bull, and it says a priest gets the skin, uh, Leviticus 7.8, you can have a male sheep or goat, or you can have turtle doves or pigeons. Once again, a, a little reminder that uh, God is not a socialist. Uh, we know that there are three classes of people even today. There is the upper class, the middle class, and the poor. And so once again, 
we need to take, take heed of this. So nobody's left out of giving an offering uh, to that degree, even if it's a bird. So uh, I love what God does, you know. And I know there's an attack on capitalism and, and nationalism, some different things, and things can be taken out of context or exploited, but um, I personally believe that, that God is a nationalist. He's not an imperialist, but he's a nationalist. Uh, he told Israel, Here are your, here's your borders, here's your land, and occupy. And, and he didn't say to go take over the world and all these other things, and that's where we get in trouble. But just food for thought, as we look at the Brexit in England and everything that's going on, uh, and you got the European Union, and uh, let's all just be one, you know. It really doesn't work when it comes to free will as well, you know. So you're um, saying God's not a nationalist, or God is a nationalist, and that he's not a socialist. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. You uh, heard it here I, first, folks. That's right. I will state that fact. Feel, <laughs> feel the burn. Um, or don't. <laughs> yeah, or, or don't. So we're going to move on to the grain offering in uh, Leviticus chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Ryan's going to read that as well, the grain offering in the King James. It's called the meat offering. So let's go ahead and read that, Ryan. It is, and more accurately called the meal offering. Because meal you know, offering, there you think go. Think of cornmeal. Cornmeal. Something that's ground right. up, right? Because I like that. This this is a, a meal offering. So, But we're going to say meat offering because that's what it says in the King James. So don't be confused. Meat equals meal or grain. So here it is. It says, And this is the law of the meat offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before the Lord, before the altar. And he shall take of it his handful of flour of the meat offering... And of the oil thereof, and all the frankincense which is upon the meat offering, and shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor, even the memorial of it unto the Lord. And the remainder thereof shall Aaron and his sons eat. With unleavened bread shall it be eaten in the holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of the congregation they shall eat it. It shall not be bacon... Uh, shall not be bacon. I like that. Sorry. Oh, it better, it better be turkey bacon. <laughs> it shall not be bacon with leaven. <laughs> I have given it unto them for their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy as is the sin offering and as the trespass offering. All the males among the children of, of Aaron shall eat of it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings of the Lord made by fire. Everyone that toucheth them shall be... Holy. You know, just begin to put together, it's, it's I'd say nuts and bolts. Just put this principle together, everybody, what God is asking them to do, and then break it down into principles. You know, sometimes we're so intimidated by the by, by the flower and the, the cutting of the throat of the animal and this and that, we, we lose the, the, the whole item of the principle. You know, we need to look at the principles that are found here. It's systematic. Think about it, everybody. There's a system, there's, there's steps to be taken. Uh, and I think it's 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 incredible to be honest with you. And of course, Aaron and his sons could eat the remainder of the meat offering. They could eat the remainder of the meat offering in Leviticus six sixteen. Uh, so that's that's really cool. You know, um, once again, what does the burnt offering symbolize? But you giving of yourself, holy, totally. We we cried out to the Lord, save me. I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. And we cry out. It's almost like we made this vow, and the Lord holds us to it. You know, and for those that would think they could just walk away from that statement or crying out to him and him saving us, throwing us the lifeline, and we take it and he reels us in. You know, he's the Gaal, he's the Avenger, he's he's truly the one that saves, kinsman redeemer. You know, to just throw that all away and walk away, I don't see how you could have a good life. I, yeah. I just don't see how your life could be better without the person of Yeshua, and that's our theme for Passover, the person of Yeshua. So once again, think about this, this grain offering. So once you move past the burnt, burnt offering, you, you, you give yourself. Uh, the meat offering or the meal offering symbolizes serving. Right. 
It's unleavened. There's no honey. Uh, it symbolizes serving, Ryan. And, and the cool thing is, it's one of the hardest things to get people to see. I love what Yeshua said. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But he says, you know, uh, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. You know, and I think we should even have a contest uh, between one another. Who can outserve one another? Just, just be servants, you know, and, and be kind and, and generous. You know, it's amazing what you can do. You know, it's interesting. When I do something for my children, I'll, they, they say, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. You Father. Know? Yeah, even in an English accent. It's incredible because, <laughs> see, I'm an old chap now. I found out through my DNA. Um, uh, and so I only share that because, man, if we ever needed anything in the world today, it's servants. We need to be serving. Uh, you know, that's another thing I've learned whenever I'm down and out or depressed or things aren't going my way. I serve my way out of it or I yeah. give my way out of it. Right. You know, you, you could be down in the dumps a little bit in, in the valley, but then you, you snap out of it. You say, man, I'm going to do something good. I'm going to call somebody. Or I'm going to give somebody a card or a gift card. I'm going to buy somebody a coffee or whatever you want to do. You just do it out of the blue. Uh, random acts of kindness. It's life changing. So think about the the, the the meal offering. Are you a meal offering? Are you giving of yourself? Are you serving? That's what I love about the community, Ryan. It's endless the possibilities to serve. Yeah, and that you know that's the reason I said the grain offering isn't necessarily that accurate, because it's not like we're just taking our grain and bringing it to the Lord. We have to take what we've harvested, right? So God gave us this increase. We've harvested it. Now we actually have to do the work. We have to put in some work. We have to grind it. And, you know, nowadays we just go to the store and we pick up a bag of flour and boom, you have fine flour. That's a good point. It doesn't work that way back then, right? So this was something that was stone ground either by hand or with a, a, a large uh, stone mill uh, where they milled this grain over and over and over again until it was fine. And then you had to take the best of the best of the best flour and how did you get the oil? You had to uh, press or beat the olives. Just like uh, Libby shares about the counting of the omer, the process. Exactly right. Nobody so, wants to go through it. Right. So you have to do these th this work, this service for the Lord before you can bring the offering to Him. And so the meal offering is, is, uh, is uh, you know, the little known uh, hero of the offering. I'm going to you know? crush you. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, you know, it's funny. You know, it's like we all like to wash our clothes. But what if you're the clothes? Oh, man, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna drown me in water. Yeah. You're gonna put soap on me, softener, maybe bleach if I'm if I'm some a t-shirt. And then you're gonna throw me in a hot dryer, <laughs> full heat. Yeah. Now listen, it sounds great if it's your clothes, but if you, what if you're the clothes? Yeah. Mm -mm. So what if I told you, Ryan, man, you're gonna you're gonna be ground like flour. God's gonna grind sifted you, sifted like wheat. He's gonna sift Where you. Where have I heard this? This is the counting of the armor with Libby Davis. Oh, I'm just man. saying, to you, Ryan. Nobody wants to go. Are you, you're like, no, that's not. I'm good. I'm good. So. A little change of pace here. We're going to go right into the um, the sin offerings. Uh, Leviticus chapter 6, verses 24 through 30. We like the public reading of scriptures. Remember, whatever you speak comes towards you. Whatever you listen to, you repeat. Whatever you write down comes to pass. So let's go ahead and look at the sin offering. Leviticus chapter 6, verses 24 through 30. So here it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Speaking to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest that offereth it for sin shall eat it. In the holy place shall it be eaten. In the court of the tabernacle of the congregation, whatsoever shall touch the flesh thereof shall be holy. And when there is sprinkled, uh, and, and when there is sprinkled of the blood thereof, 
upon any garment, thou shalt wash that thereon, whereon it was sprinkled in the holy place. But the earthen vessel wherein it is sodden shall be broken, and if it be sodden in a brazen pot, it shall be uh, scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests shall eat thereof, it is most holy. And no sin offering whereof any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of the congregation to reconcile with all in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burnt in the fire. This is interesting. You know, the, this is a lot of work, right? I mean, think about all the people that they're serving. These priests are having to kill a ton of animals. They're dealing with a ton of blood. And uh, sure, it sounds good. Hey, they get to eat it. But like, good heavens, there's a lot more people than there are priests. <laughs> They're bringing these animals in, and it says the priest has to eat it. I wonder if like some of the priests were the ones that killed them, and that some of the priests were the ones that ate. And like, like you ask the Levites, hey, what's your job? It's like, oh, I eat, I eat the offering. You know, like I could imagine just like, hey, this guy looks like he could eat a lot of. Well, if you look meat. at the family, it was a, it was a family affair. The Levites, of course. The ones, I mean, you know, and so once again, we we just follow the instructions. Yeah, you know, God. Invented barbecue. I know, but imagine all. You know what the highest form of learning is, everybody. Listen, you're you're gonna be blown away. Out of all your senses, what is the highest form of learning? Smell. It's smell. You're right. I got that right. Wow, you got it right. It's smell. Wow. So if you'll notice, when they're doing the tabernacle or even the temple, Ryan, uh, you have all these smells, sights, and sounds, and, and everything. You know, and. Even the fur of the animal, it's like touch, you know. Yeah. I mean, you, you, so you smell the flesh. You, you, you can, you know, you smell the, uh, the incense, you know, uh, I'm sure. So, you know, think about it. So the sin offering was considered holy, all right? And the priest was allowed to eat the sin offering in the holy place in the court of the tabernacle. Right. Uh, so once again, the sin offering is mandatory. You know, uh, I, I love the question, you know, where's your sacrifice? Uh, and just to let everybody know at this point in time, among the Jewish people, as we, uh, we of course, look ahead, that we, we strongly believe there's going to be a third temple. The debate is whether the Messiah is going to build it or not, but that's irreg- irregardless. But the thing is that what I want to share with you is that what the Jewish people have done is uh, they've created two things uh, for, for the time being uh, in my own studies for uh, a sacrifice or a temple, and that is to have good deeds, mitzvot, and also prayers. So that's what they've substituted for a sacrifice, uh, which, of course, you know, is very interesting, but once again, the, the great question is, where is your sacrifice? I asked Pastor Russell, hey, where's your sacrifice? And he said, oh, he's in heaven. So I thought that was a great answer. Uh, and that's that's the question that I think we all need to be able to answer. You know, and we're going to get into the whole, the, the, the blood thing and all that, I think, in this particular Torah portion. So, uh, you know, the burnt offering and the meal offering were, you know, they were voluntary. But now we, of course, have the sin offering, which is mandatory, but... Uh, him. Also, with that sin offering, we have another uh, offering that we need to discuss, a trespass offering, uh, which is a follow-up to the sin offering. Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 7, just verses 1 through 5. So once again, there's a difference between the sin offering and the trespass offering. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering shall they kill the trespass offering, and the blood thereof shall, sprinkle, shall he sprinkle round about upon the altar." And he shall offer of it all the fat thereof, the rump and the fat that covereth the inwards, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the caul that is above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall be it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a trespass offering. 
you know, let me help you guys to, to have a distinction here between these two offerings. Now, the sin offering was compulsory, okay, but it's those sins that were unintentional. First of all, that's what the scriptures say. Number two, uh, becoming unclean and needing purification. So you would do a sin offering if you were unclean. Okay, very interesting. So now as we look at the trespass offering, what's the difference? Now, now Ron, here's a great question. Can we trespass against God and man? Yeah, of course. Now, what does that mean? Now, it's a different kind of offering. It's depriving another. Right. It's about depriving another. Okay. Well, and, any, and that any actually sin, requires a ram without blemish. So it's it's depriving another. Any sin trespass. against your fellow man is a sin against God. Absolutely. So that's the difference between a sin offering and a trespass offering. Also, you have to have restitution plus one fifth, which is of course twenty percent. Uh, one of the examples we give is that I like to give is if somebody lets me borrow a book and I spill coffee on it, uh, I, of course, uh, have to pay back the cost of the book plus 20%. So let's say the book's 20 bucks on Amazon Prime. I, I buy the book for 20 bucks, and then I would give what? $4. $4 back on top of that. Now, that's what God says to do. Now, you can say, well, that's been done away with, or we really don't have to follow that. But I'm telling you, I've actually taught this principle and, and somebody actually damaged somebody's car, and it was like $250, and they gave, they gave 20% of that as well. Ooh. And they didn't want to take it, but they said, no, I need to do this because this is what the Bible says to do. Yeah. So what a way to teach the Bible. Well, Not okay. only am I going to replace it, I'm going to give you 20% of that damage. Built into that story is a great point. The Torah is for you. It's not for others. I want you to take that in. The Torah is for you. It is about you. You are to live it, not put it upon other people. It's okay to tell other people and to explain things and explain why you do the things that you do, or and to and to be a, a, a you know an enthusiastic supporter of the Torah. Obviously, we're doing a Torah podcast. We believe in it. the The point I'm making though is that rather than pointing at everybody else and saying what they should be doing. We should look at ourselves and make sure that we are sticking to and keeping up with the commandments of God and and how they're applicable to our lives. One, I was having a conversation with uh, one of our members of our congregation the other day, Joe, and he's you know reading through Leviticus, and uh, and I mean he's just so excited because he's talking about how we can apply uh, Leviticus to our our lives today. And one of the big things that stands out in Leviticus is the idea of the priests, and we're called to be priests, right? Peter talks about that we're called to join into this priesthood. And so what that means is that there's all these people out there that are hurting, that are, have hang-ups and, and, and all these things, they don't know Jesus, and they're out there in the world, they're in your workplace, they're in, in your own homes, they're, they're in your extended family, and rather than be the, the, the point of judgment for them, pointing the finger and, and declaring the sin in their life, what you want to be is you want to be a resource for them. If you live this out, people will know that they can come to you, that they can get prayer, that they can get instruction, that they can learn about righteousness, that they can uh, receive uh, revelation into God's Word and, and God's will from you because you are not just pointing the finger and, and losing your opportunity to, to speak into their life, but yet you're living it, and they're convicted by your righteousness, and therefore they come to you in their time of need because they see you as a resource. Well, absolutely. It's teachings and instructions, you know. Amen. Uh, if you are properly interpreting Torah, even through the, the New Testament or the Gospels, uh, you're going to make the world a better place. 
trust me, people are going to want to hang around you. Oh yeah, they're going to wonder why you why are you so blessed? Why are you so happy? Yeah, amen. Um, most tour terrorists are not happy. They're miserable people. You don't want to hang out with them. You can only stand them for so long. It's like rap music. You can only take it for so long. <laughs> And then you're like, well, you want to move on, right? I, I mean, said, I'm a millennial. It. I know. So like, I'm just saying. I mean, I can take well, rap music all day. Okay. Well, you, know, <laughs> you are the exception to the rule. <laughs> I don't know about Listen, that. Listen, the trespass offering was considered holy. All right. And of course, the two kidneys were removed from the trespass offering uh, before it was, of course, offered up. Uh, and the priest could eat the trespass offering. So once again, nothing's wasted. Amen. So Peter, just chill out, chill out. Um, everything's eaten. Everything's taken care of, right, in the proper manner. And of course, the uh, and anything that's left over, you wouldn't know it because it gets burnt. Well, you know, if if you go back to Leviticus seven eight, the 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 skin from the burnt offering would go to the priest that offered it. So you know, you are either a good priest or a bad priest. That's so right. People would like to say, hey, you know, Ryan's my priest. I'm, I'm going to take my offering to him, and he's going to get the he's going to get the skin. Yeah. Uh, you know, of, of 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 the bull or whatever. So think about that. That's, that's very interesting as we look at that. So uh, for the sake of time, we need to move on here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, we're not going to read any more at this point in time, but uh, peace offerings are found in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 11 through 18. Uh, once again, the peace offering, um, there was three different types of peace offerings, Ryan. We had, of course, the uh, Thanksgiving or the gratitude uh, offering. We have a vow or a votive uh, offering or a volunteer or free will offering. Those are the three different kinds of peace offerings. So you would offer this peace offering because, hey, man, you want to give thanks for something or, or you fulfilled a vow. Right. And so or to make uh, or a, it's vow. a free will. Say, hey, you know, I want to do a peace. I label this a peace offering. And that's what you do. And so what happens is, um, you know, um, you get to you get to partake of some of this offering. It's the only offering that the offerer gets to partake in a uh, number of different things that you can use. Uh, it actually says here. It's according to your wealth. A peace offering could be from the herd, a male or female without blemish. Uh, it could be from the flock, a male or female without blemish, uh, or from the goats. Uh, and so interesting about this particular peace offering. And uh, I, I think it's, it, it's incredible. And of course, it is the, the, third, the third offering that we see right here in the scriptures. A uh, little detail about it. So the peace offering for Thanksgiving had to be eaten the same day. So if you're giving thanks, that you designate, hey, this one is for Thanksgiving. You know, we're having a Thanksgiving offering here. Uh, you have to eat the same day. Uh, the peace offering for a vow or voluntary offering had to be eaten the same day or the following day. Mm. You know, so if you want to give a, a Thanksgiving uh, peace offering, you know, you had to eat it that day. Uh, but if you say, no, man, I fulfilled a vow. They say, okay, you can eat it today and tomorrow or tomorrow, right? So. Uh, or the following day. Uh, anyone who eats the peace offering on the third day would be guilty of an abomination and bear the iniquity. Um, once again, the voluntary peace offering is free will. So Yeah, I uh, thought that this was interesting. So I was I was considering this, uh, and, and listen, I'm, I'm not uh, a temple scholar, but I was thinking, you know, the Thanksgiving uh, one is eaten the same day because you're bringing it, and there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance around, around it, right? I'm here to give thanks... Maybe you say a speech or whatever. You bring some friends. You say, "Hey, listen, we're going to go to the temple and we're going to do a peace offering uh, to celebrate, you know, X, Y, or Z." Right? The Lord gave us the rain, or you know, whatever. Whatever the case is, it's Thanksgiving. But the vow uh, or voluntary offering, the votive offering, this is 
probably has some more ceremonial circumstance around it. So like, let's say I'm making a vow and I'm bringing a peace offering. That's true. And the beginning or, of the vow. Right. Wow. And so at this point, we actually have to make the vow, and there's some some circumstance around that, and depending on what time of day we go, you know, and so that way you can actually, there's there's a provision given to extend that over for the next day so that you can uh, eat it. But on the third day, nobody eats any of it. No, no, that's a good point, you know. It's kind of like the manna. Right. You got to have just enough, because that's the way God is, you know. We want to stockpile. Uh, yeah, anyone who was unclean and ate the peace offering would be cut off from the people. Yikes. So you weren't stoned to death, but you were cut off from the people. We would call that excommunicated. Um, and of course, you know, we can see how uh, we, we let the scriptures actually play out here as well. Uh, it goes on to say that a, a person could not eat the fat of an ox, sheep, or goat. You could not eat the fat. The fat belongs to the Lord. The Lord. The fat belongs to the Lord. Leviticus 7.23. Now... In Leviticus 7.26, here's a great question. Could anyone eat blood from a fowl or a beast? So the obvious answer is no, but then the question arises about red meat. And so I'm going to let everyone make their own decisions on that. Right. But uh, on whether or not your steak can be rare or not. And right. There's a lot of scientific... Properly drained and everything. All want, that stuff. Exactly and that's why right. people want kosher meats a lot of times. Exactly right. Um, you know, I, I want to read to you Leviticus 17.11. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. One of the references is also found in Hebrews 9.22. So once again, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And and remember when Adam and Eve sinned, Ryan, they took fig leaves and covered themselves. Right. And what did the Lord do? He took coats of skins and covered them. Right. So as far as... uh, blood in our bodies and, and the blood supply and everything like that. Um, God created all of this for, for a reason. These are, this, these are spiritual laws, everyone. That's actually a spiritual law, because what did Yeshua have to do? He had to shed his blood. That's right. You know, uh, they actually pierced his hands, his feet, uh, struck him with a spear, crown of thorns. They, they flogged his back. So I would say that Jesus shed blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and we believe in the blood of Yeshua. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. For your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. I was talking to one of the ladies from our fellowship, and she was talking about, she's from England, and she used to eat blood pudding. Oh. Now, I don't, I've never really researched that or checked it out or even considered it, but maybe I should check it out. But anyway, uh, just for subject matter. But yeah, blood pudding. So it doesn't sound right. No, know? no. So there's no Leviticus 17.11 on that one. Mm-mm. So in the peace offering, the breast of the sacrifice was waved for a wave offering and eaten by the priest. Some of you think the wave started in some stadium. Uh, no, it was started <laughs> by the priests. Uh, the priests, were, were, they started the wave. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when your hands are up, it, it means surrender, and it means that the sacrifice can be taken, mm. which is very interesting. Uh, the right shoulder of the peace offering was given as a heave offering and eaten by the priest. We can see that clearly. So, you know, in regards to the peace offering, Ryan, this is something we need to think about. When was the last time you shared a peace offering with others to share about God's blessing? You know what comes to my mind, Ryan, is I think that you should have a peace offering at your home and invite some leadership because you started your own company. Ooh, 
Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about having a little party at my house, maybe. Uh, once once w- you're back in it. Once I'm back in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to make any plans right now. <laughs> but that would be a way to have a little barbecue or somewhere celebrate. Hey, we're yeah. back in the house. It's a Thanksgiving offering. And, of course, we eat everything that day. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, um, <coughs> uh, Miss Jane was in our group last night, and she told a story about a, a pastor at a church that they had. And, you know, every once in a while, things come up within uh, any any organization where... There's people that are on one side or the other of some issue, and it doesn't really matter what the issue is, but it's important that we remember the point uh, that love comes first and that to keep the main thing the main thing, right? That we're, we're there to worship God. Um, and so what he did is he, he called a, a peace offering fellowship, and they actually took bread and they broke it, right? And they ate it together, and they had conversations, and there was confession and repentance and, and forgiveness and restoration uh, at that meeting, and she was just telling how great it was, and there's lots of, of tears of joy and this and that. Um, because I think, you know, in a, a society like we live in today where things are so contentious, we forget that people aren't just opinions, that they're actual human beings, and that uh, opinions change, that uh, circumstances change, that uh, environments and atmospheres change, but the people remain. And it's important that we remember uh, to love one another. And the peace offering is a great way to do that. And so to your point of you know having leadership or whatever over when, when something good happens, that sharing in the joys of life together and taking our vows seriously and, uh, and, and just doing things for the Lord and in, in a proper a manner. And offering. Right, and, then, and, and understanding uh, what a peace offering is. I think that's, that's uh, uh, understanding the spirit of that and that God has created this as a way for us to uh, bind ourselves together in, in humanity. That's awesome. Wow, when was the last time any of us did that? Well, we got a lot to work on, don't we? Yeah. We're in Leviticus well, uh, chapter 8. Normally you get eight. a promotion and everybody's like, hey, drinks are on you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. That could, be a, that could be a doozy. So Leviticus in chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, we have Aaron and his sons are ordained. We're not going to read it. So now we're going into the ordination of Aaron and his sons, which is incredible. Uh, you know that Aaron and his sons needed a sacrifice as well. Uh, a sacrifice was needed, and it, it was a bullock and two rams. So a bullock and two rams, and, and check this out. I'm going to give you a little bit of information here in regards to this awesome, awesome ceremony. All the congregation gathered at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation for the ordination. Isn't that the coolest thing? Like the inauguration of the president, you know. Here we have something really, really cool. Get ready to go down. Oh, yeah. Moses washed Aaron and his sons with water. Uh, Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle along with all that was in it. You know, Ryan, whenever we have anointing oil, we want to anoint something. It's it's sanctifying. It's setting it apart. Right. You know, that's so important that you understand that. Uh, Moses uh, sprinkled the anointing oil seven times upon the altar. So not only did we want the altar of sacrifice, but we wanted God to sanctify it, separate it unto Him, right. and, 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 and for Him only. Uh, and of course, uh, the anointing oil was poured upon Aaron's head. The anointing oil was poured upon Aaron. Aaron's head. You know what I see here? I see uh, a spa treatment. Moses gave uh, Aaron and his sons a bubble bath, and then he gave them moisturizer Listen, treatment. Listen, let's keep, let's keep it serious, because I'm telling you, <laughs> you can say whatever you want, but this is going down, man. You're right. I You're mean, right. You, you'll never... Aaron would, would never forget that. Oh, all, of course not. All these things that happened. Oh, of course. Are you kidding? He would never forget yeah, this, uh-uh. this, you know. I, I remember when I had an ordination with Pastor Randy and, and Rabbi Ralph Messer, and, and my wife and I, they ordained us in April 
of 2002. And then, of course, in November, my father-in-law passes away. Yeah. Uh, the timing of it was very, very interesting, to say the least. And, and so, once again, uh, a Bullock and two Rams for Aaron and his sons for the ordination. This is a big deal, everyone. This is a big deal. Um, in Leviticus 8.14, And he brought the bullock for the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering. You know, sometimes the, the priesthood could be a little hierarchy, you know, yeah. a little too big for their britches. And that's what happened in the, in the first century church uh, at the time of, before the temple was destroyed. You know, the priesthood was pretty corrupt. Oh, yeah. Uh, we needed John the Baptist. God needed what? A prophet to come up and prepare the way of the Lord. And, and that's what I want to share with all of you. As you think about a modern-day prophet today, he better be quoting the Word, mm. or he's going to be misleading a lot of people. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, the reason why God would raise up a prophet, Ryan, is because the monarchy goes bad and the priesthood goes bad. Right. Uh, and God has no other choice but to raise up the prophet for the sake of the people. And where was John the Baptist? Not in the temple. He was not in the temple. He was outside in the wilderness That's preaching right. repentance. People literally had to go out and sit on a rock in the hot sun and hear a message on repentance. Ooh. And they came out in droves. Ooh. You know, And even the priesthood was going out to check him out. You know, what's going on here, you know? Why aren't people coming to church? Well, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they want a message. They want the message that they need to hear, and they weren't giving at that time. So it's just something to think about. Uh, that's why Yeshua turned the tables over, you know, the money changers and everything like that. He was The priesthood was corrupt at that time. Uh, and that reminds me, Ryan, as we go from, of course, the book of Judges uh, to a monarchy, we know that Eli and the priesthood was corrupt, and his sons were corrupt, and of course, Eli falls off the back of the chair, breaks his neck, and there goes that. And now all of a sudden, you go right into the monarchy with King Saul and everything. Just something to think about, everyone. It's it's incredible, the, the biblical history and stories that we can discover. Um, now Moses took the blood from the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with his finger. He also poured the blood at the bottom of the altar. Now the bullock, his hide, his flesh, and his dung was burned with fire outside the camp. Uh, we also see reference that Yeshua died outside the camp in Hebrews. Uh, and, of course, the first ram was used for a burnt offering. The second ram was used for consecration. Yep. Okay, so there you have the burnt offering, and then, of course, you have the consecration. You know, for the, all of these things, I was, I was looking through the chumash, um, which is the art scroll uh, chumash, and in the back of it, it's got awesome pictures and diagrams of all this stuff. And it just Yeah, and it just gives you... Uh, and just so you guys know, the Chumash, if, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically the, the Torah. First five books of the Bible. Yep, first five commentary. books of the Bible with in commentary. Hebrew to the right, yeah. There. Yep. So it's got the Hebrew and the English. Um, and then, you know, obviously the way the way uh, anything from the, the Jewish uh, commentaries work is you have the, the actual scripture, and then you have the commentary, and then you have the commentary on the commentary. And so that's, that's kind of how that works. But uh, to the, my point is... It has the the Torah and the half Torahs all in it, uh, in Hebrew and in English, and it's from a Jewish perspective, uh, which is kind of cool. But then again, there's a lot of good references and stuff in there. So if you go to the back, there's lots of pictures and diagrams, and just it brings all of the stuff we're reading in Leviticus to life, and you can see it with your own eyes and just get an idea of how much detail and stuff goes in. Because you read it, you can kind of gloss over some of this stuff, but seeing it live and in living colors is uh, it brings it really you know to life. And you know, Ryan, this is the thing that I've learned. I have such an appreciation and respect for ceremonial laws. Now, I want to just submit something to all of you. You know, 
it's been said, and I have to do my own personal study that out of 613 commandments, 200 are in regard to the temple. So that kind of knocks it down to 400 and something. <laughs> for, for yeah, and I've people. even read somewhere, I, don't know. I think it might have been Rabbi Ralph's calendar, that there's 217 that we can, can keep today. Which, and I'm not going to get into that, yeah. do's and don'ts and this and that. You know, bottom line is we, we choose to have the teachings and instructions via the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures. But uh, I want to submit to you that uh, the ceremony does something that's very powerful. It, it's a process that slows us down and makes us think. Okay, Moses is going to wash them with water. And then he's going to, you know, he's going to anoint the tabernacle. He's going to anoint Aaron. And then, of course, we have, of course, the three body parts uh, that Moses applied the blood of the second ram. Remember, the second ram was for consecration uh, on the tip of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and on the great toe of their right foot. So once again, on the tip of the right ear, what are they listening to? They're supposed to hear from God, Shema Israel, Hero Israel. Uh, the thumb of the right hand is what are you grabbing? What are you doing with your hands? How are you being productive or creative? Uh, and then last but not least, on the great toe of their right foot, where are you traveling? Where are you going? You know, with your traveling. Uh, are you at the right place at the right time? Uh, where are you going? Because you, you want to be led of the Lord. Lord, send me. Uh, continuing on this incredible uh, ordination or consecration, a basket of unleavened bread was used for the ordination of Aaron and his sons. Basket of unleavened bread. Uh, a wave offering was given by Aaron and his sons. You know, so think about it. you think about a football game, the wave. You know, they're like, woohoo, we're being ordained. A wave offering was given by Aaron and his sons. Leviticus 8:27, in case you want to know that reference. Um, the anointing oil and the blood was sprinkled upon Aaron and his sons. Once again, it's a bloody gospel. Uh, matter of fact, it, it says in Exodus that God uh, had Moses sprinkle the blood on the people at the receiving of the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, remember, even in this renewed covenant with Yeshua, uh, we want the blood to be sprinkled on us. Amen. The blood of Yeshua. Now Moses gave the flesh and the bread for Aaron and his sons to eat at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. We are at Leviticus 8.31. So, Ron, here's a great question. Uh, we think about the presidential inauguration uh, of Donald Trump, but uh, it was a, a one-day event. But uh, how long did the consecration last for Aaron and his sons? Seven whole days. Seven days. Wow, imagine that. Seven days. Seven means completion. It's a cycle. You know, it is a cycle. And uh, so anyway, you know, as we begin to think about this, well, we've been called, what, a nation of priests? Uh, a priest is one who shares the teachings and instructions. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm listening to the Land of Israel podcast and getting a, a Jewish perspective uh, on, on, on their ideas and beliefs and things like that. And the gentleman was saying that, you know, Judaism is actually at, at the point where um, if you are practicing Judaism or if you are a Jew, everyone's a teacher. Everyone should be a teacher. You know, everyone should be able to teach uh, their faith. I thought that was very interesting. So we have a question here. Um, uh, what would happen if Aaron and his sons did not keep the commandments charged by God? Uh, they would die. So they would die. And uh, we're going to actually see this unfold, I do believe, in the next Torah portion. But um, we have a question that we had in our, in our small groups on Monday night, uh, which we actually had yesterday. Uh, and the question is this, Ryan. Uh, how can we be consecrated today for God in a fallen world? You know, it's a great question, and I think that um, there's there's one prefacing point that I want to make, and it, we had a great discussion about it last night in our groups. 
And so essentially, first and foremost, is uh, those of us that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We will never be justified more than we are the day that we are saved. You don't get more holy than Jesus. When Jesus covers you with his blood, there is nothing that you can do that will make you better or more holy. And so I think that point is a spiritual point to be made, that our righteousness is in Christ. Now, on top of that, now that we have been given this uh, wonderful gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, through Yeshua, now it is incumbent on us to follow Him and to live like Him and to be His ambassadors in the earth. How do we do that? We have to be consecrated for that purpose. And so when you're consecrating something, you're taking it and you're saying, this is now going to be used for this purpose. So you're setting it apart and we're saying, and, and the perfect example is like the vessels in the temple. The bowl that held the fine flower, it only did that. That was its job. It was its calling, its purpose in life, and that's what it was used for. We, on the other hand, uh, also have a purpose and a calling, and our job is to be uh, consecrated and sanctified for God, for Jesus, and to be His disciples. And personal. And to be His ambassadors in the earth. And so the way we're consecrated today, uh, I, I see it as the process of sanctification is the pursuance of the Torah, the teachings and instructions of God, the keeping of His commandments. This way we can set ourselves apart. How do I set myself apart? I, I don't eat pork. I don't eat, you know, shellfish or shrimp. Um, you know, I, I do these little things where I could say, hey, you know what? God, I choose you, and I'm going to set myself apart from regular society by doing these things. Does that make me better or more holy? No. But does it consecrate and sanctify me for God's purposes? Yes. And it's a personal choice, Ryan, that we all have to make. You know, when I'm laying in bed at night, I'm not thinking about other people. I'm thinking about myself. How did I do this this day? How did I how did I accomplish things? What 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 transpired? What's coming tomorrow? What, what does God want me to do? You know, and, and I want to share with you. It's interesting. You know, as we look at a fallen world, the prince of this world is Hasatan. Yeah. And if you look at our culture, Satan's in everything. Yeah. You know, and uh, basically, what I want to do is I want to look at uh, love not the world, which is of course uh, found in First John uh, two fifteen through seventeen. Just to reiterate this: love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Listen up, everybody. Think about it. Listen, we all love to listen to music. We all love to see a good movie. We all like to watch Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is. But just think about this, though. God, God's, you know, he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. But when you look at this world cosmos, he's talking about the system of the world. You know, it's like a dog-eat-dog world out there, you know. Every man for himself and, and this and that, and, and there's competition. That's what the Greeks do. There's competition. But remember, in the Hebrew mindset, you're competing against yourself. That's why life is likened to a race, okay? It's a race that we all have to run. I can't run for Ryan. Ryan can't run for Nick. But, but just remember, these, these particular verses, 15 through 17 in 1 John chapter 2, is actually how we had the, the, the fallen nature of man given to us from the Garden of Eden. She saw the fruit was good, right? She looked at it, she ate it, and she, and, and she realized that, wow, you know, now she's going to die, right? Because she ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So 
keep that in mind as, as we want to repair the world. Oh, and let me just reiterate as well. It was men that broke this world. We say, well, well, she ate the apple and everything or whatever, or ate from that tree. But Ryan, Adam was right there. He should have took that sneaky snake and beat him up against a tree. But see, we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We were kicked out. And, and so, you know, sin comes through the man. That's why the second Adam had to come. So when men look to Christ and they, they receive that divine order and begin to put that in place in the homes and in the sanctuary or in your community, we can fix this world, you yeah. know, because the wife would look to us, we would look to Christ, and the children would look to the parents. Uh, that's divine order. The, the, the male, the, the, the father, is the priest of the home. And that's why it was saying that all males shall appear before me, because he's saying that the men are responsible to get ready for Shabbat, to, to get things in place. You know, yeah, the wife cooks or whatever, the, the man can cook, but, but the bottom line is the man's responsibility to say, okay, kids, we're doing Shabbat, turn the TV off, give me your devices, whatever it is, and we kick it off. It's got to be the father figure. He's yeah. got to do that to send that as an example. Sure. So I'm just looking at that. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, and then I, I, I'd like to go into Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, basically, chapter two, verses one through four. Check this out. Uh, these are called the. Uh, they call it the. Uh, I want to say uh, the Pauline epistles, but the uh, the, the pastors' epistles. You know, um, basically in in Second Timothy chapter two, verse one, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Wow, there's discipleship. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Isn't that incredible? And, and on top of that, we also have, because the question is, you know, how can we be consecrated today for God in a fallen world? Once again, let's reiterate Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Oh, and by the way, um, if you look at uh, Romans 9, 10, 11, it'll give you a, a great, great, great understanding of uh, Christians and Jews coming together and understanding what God is doing through the grafting and process, natural branches versus wild branches, Yeshua is the root. So I highly recommend Romans 9, 10, 11 for those who that are understanding how can Christians work with Jews? How does this work? The Apostle Paul lays it out really, really good. So go check it out. Uh, the bottom line is God give us mercy. We should give them mercy. So you'll check it out uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So through the scriptures by the Holy Spirit, Ryan, in closing for me, I'd like to lay out for you that I believe that God is restoring, regathering the whole house of Israel. I believe it's His perfect will, but we have to do it his way. Absolutely. So what do you have, Ryan, as far as the two lessons uh, that can be learned from the Torah portion, Tezav command in Leviticus chapter 6, verses 8 through chapter 8, uh, through chapter 8 through verse 36, uh, from a consensus of your group yesterday. What two lessons do you think can be learned from this particular Torah portion? Right. So at this point in uh, Tzav, we're still in the way to God, uh, and uh, it's very, very clear that you must have a sacrifice. You must have a sacrifice. Here's the good news. Every sacrifice in Leviticus points to Yeshua. 
And so when we can say, hey, I have to have a sacrifice, and Yeshua has done it for me already, guess what? Now you can rest in the finished work of the cross. This is where it comes into play. So praise God that he has uh, done this for us, because this is, uh, this is something that we cannot do on our own. Uh, the other thing that we got, which this was a great point, being a priest is a lot of work. Oh, man, it's a lot of work. So, uh, and I mean, we can read here all this work that they're doing and just imagine the volume of people and just being able to handle all that. So it's a lot of work. And we are called to be priests. So it's time for us to get to work. You know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's the, the, the way I'll leave it with you guys is we've got some work to do for the Lord. Uh, what is God calling you to do? Get out there and do it. So uh, praise God, man. Leviticus is Pastor Nick's favorite book, as everybody knows. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Yep, and there's the cheerleader for Leviticus. I'm enjoying every chapter. I'll tell you what, it gets better every year. I will I will say that. It does get better every year. Oh, thank you. I'll thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it's you, but it's, it's you know, I think the Word of God just, you know, gets better and better with age, you know? It's like a whatever. Like a, like a wine. Like a fine wine, exactly. So uh, praise God for you guys listening. Thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your donations, those of you guys that are giving online at topraise.net. Uh, to support us here at Beit Tehillah Community. Uh, you know, we know that some of you guys, you're just listening to the podcast and that you're compelled to give, and so we just can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And we know that the Lord sees uh, the, the the heart behind your giving and uh, smiles on it as well. So uh, also I want to say that um, Purim is coming up, so don't forget, uh, be mindful if you are able to participate in something in your community, or if you want to come and participate in our community this Shabbat, we are having our celebration on Saturday. And remember, we're live streaming every Saturday at topraise.net and all of our social media platforms. If you want to reach me, uh, you can email me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net, ryan at topraise.net. And you can also call the office here at 813-654-2222. God bless you. Have a great week.